0: We thought it would be important to start off this episode with a disclaimer, for those of you who still have PTSD from the Nathan Rager interview, that we're going to be talking about it again. So buckle your seatbelts and hold on for part two of the Raging Rager. Hey man! God, my eardrums <laughs> just burst! Ah,
1: Mine did too. I'm bleeding. Ooh, I'm, I'm absolutely bleeding right
2: now. <laughs> I have blood coming out of my nose. <laughs>
0: You did that right in the microphone. I did. I did it up and over. All right.
1: Nathan, thank you for that disclaimer. That was very well said. Hey, PTSD is real thing. Hey, thanks for being here with us at the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. This is episode 11, and we are back in the J Radio studio. JRadio.com, we want to thank them for sponsoring the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. If you are in the mood for a certain type of music, you don't have to go to Pandora or Spotify. You can go to JRadio.com, type in that artist, and find that music. Brian, what music are you in the mood for tonight?
2: I'm wondering if J Radio has some old Teddy Huffman in the gyms. I'm rich in faith and hope and love. I got more More than than my my share. share. I'll be moving Moving to my mansion just over in glory, where I'm a rightful heir. I am
0: proud to say I've never heard that in my life. (laughs) I've heard that song. I love that song, actually. That's some pretty good yeah, harmony, guys. Yeah, that
2: was guys. great. Yeah, it was until I...
0: JC forgot the words, but I that's did. okay. He, had, he kept the harmony going.
2: <laughs> hey, you got to do the best you can. You have Go to. to J Radio. The I don't know if they perfect. have
1: that song, but they've probably got Southern Gospel. They've got uh, peace and calming music after 11 weeks of quarantine. I typed in the other day sleep music, and it was just like ambiance and very like relaxing and birds chirping and flowing river. I mean, it was great.
0: It's like 10.30 in the studio and you almost put me to sleep just talking about that. Yeah.
1: Well, if you are falling asleep and you need a (laughs) sleep playlist, type in sleepmusic at jradio.com.
2: You just gave me a desire for essential oils and I've never even used those.
0: (laughs) (laughs) JC has that effect on men.
2: (laughs) What?
1: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's get into the show. Here we go.
2: The Recovering Fundamentalist podcast starts in three. You know what makes women stupid is called Jesus was not a bartender. Hi back to you have Lost your
1: mind. long tongue heifers have given me a lot more trouble than heifers wearing breeches, and
0: you know that. Say amen right there. Why?
1: Let me tell you something, bozo. They'll be selling Frosties in hell for this boy who puts on a pair of pink underwear. Amen. I sucked my thumb till I was 14 years of age. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. We're your hosts, Nathan, JC, and Brian. Welcome to episode number eleven, the Raging Ranger. Ra- wow, I can't even say it anymore. The it raging you shook up, man. What is it, Raging Ranger? Ramblings <laughs> pre-podcast. Oh man, that that episode got me all kinds of messed up. Yeah,
0: the
2: raging, of- the
0: raging, the raging
2: ranger rebuttal. The so raging all, rager
1: it. rebuttal. There it is. So go ahead and get it. You want to go ahead? Raging rager rebuttal.
0: And just so you guys know, he is not in the studio with us. That is intentional because he's talked enough on that one episode <laughs> to last for 14 episodes. So, and we wanted him to keep talking. We wanted to hear what he had to say, and that was he laid out the best case for our position that anyone could have laid out. So today we're going to be answering questions that everybody had after
1: and you know there's a lot of people that were asking why did you let him talk so long and just keep going well we just wanted to hear his answer and honestly couldn't stop to get a breath in and if you could see what we were doing on the other side there was a lot of hands up in the air and hands on foreheads and mouths open so you edited out a lot of that podcast and brought it down to two hours and three minutes you're welcome Yeah, there's a lot on there, and a lot of people said we would love to see this episode, and thankfully, because we're using Zoom, we were able to upload the video, and so that's in editing right now. We're going to be launching a YouTube channel, and we'll let you know when you can go and subscribe to that, and the Raging Rager, I still can't say it, it's going to be the very (laughs) first video that's coming out on the Recovering Fundamentalist YouTube page, so go and like that, and we'll put links out on all of our social media for you to go like and subscribe.
0: One of the things you're going to see on there that I had to edit out, which was golden. Brian was the victim of a drive-by shooting. Right in the middle of the podcast. In the middle of recording. Yeah. And we had to actually stop the Raging Rager to make sure Brian was okay. He had to call the cops. We're going to include that in this video episode.
2: Yeah, I think when people see my face, I mean, I totally freaked out. It was crazy. (laughs) I'm sitting here in the little studio that's adjacent to my office. And all at once, outside, I mean, someone is emptying out an automatic weapon, and all I'm thinking is, did somebody really hate my sermon online <laughs> last Sunday that bad? And they've come to get me, and I didn't have a weapon of my own. I didn't have anything. And, I mean, I I went straight up T.D. Jakes like, <laughs> no weapon formed against me shall prosper. <laughs> I started everything I could think of.
0: My first thought was it was one of those South Virginia fundamentalists coming after you, man.
2: Yeah, you know, we have a lot of enemies now. I don't think people realize all of the messages we get on Twitter and online. And, you know, there's some pretty, pretty rough stuff out there. You know, the other day on Twitter, I had this tweet that absolutely blew up. It ended up with like 1,469 likes. Man. And, but who's Tabidi- need to sign my Bible. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, yeah, just... Whatever. <laughs> Tabidi <laughs> Hey, if you think you're having trouble saying the Raging Rager rebuttal, <laughs> try saying the name Tabidi Anabuile. He's this awesome preacher. Nathan, I know you enjoy hearing him preach as well as I do. Oh, yeah. And he actually retweeted this tweet that I had, which led to Beth Moore... Mm. On my Twitter feed with one word calling out John MacArthur. (laughs) Wow. I was so torn up that on my Twitter feed, John MacArthur was being called out. You know, enemies are everywhere, man. We're going to get hit from every side. Everybody gets hit from every side. So, yeah, I thought, you know, I was being hunted down basically. I was afraid to go outside. I thought it was like a real episode of The Living Dead or something. I didn't know. Is that the walking dead i've never watched that show it has so, nothing to do with so you've got or our livestock.
0: you've got our our uh what is the word curiosity you got our curiosity peaked you need to read that tweet to us what was it that you said and what did beth Moore say referencing john macarthur
2: okay the tweet was pulpits weren't intended to make insecure men feel bold <laughs> <laughs> because in fundamentalism you know when the guy gets up behind the pulpit, he takes on a totally different disposition. He, you know, he suddenly doesn't mind calling people out and he doesn't mind screaming and yelling and ranting in the parking lot. Yeah, absolutely. And then like 40 guys stand up in his defense, (laughs) which makes no sense. If you're big enough to call somebody out in the parking lot, then, you know, you don't have to have your 40 little followers and minions stand up on your behalf. But um, Beth Moore took that from a totally different angle And she just said the word, Lordy. (laughs)
0: Lordy. (laughs) Which was all she had to say.
2: (laughs) Yes. Everybody knew exactly what she was talking about.
1: What I love, though, is as you're doing your sign language of gun shooting, gun shooting, Rager never quit talking. Oh, man. He He just kept going. We're all (laughs) checking on you like, are you all right? And he just kept going. And we're like, finally, he stopped and he like looked at us. And I was like, Brian, are you about to die? What's going on there, man?
2: Well, he was probably thinking if a liberal dies, he dies. (laughs) Oh, my
0: goodness.
1: So speaking of Twitter, there was one that IFB Preacher Clips put out this week that, that I, I we love IFB Preacher Clips here at the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. It is not Brian Edwards' side note, Amen. But this one was put out, wink and wink. and this is from uh, a guy, Bill Reeves, out in uh, where is Bill Reeves? Anybody know where he's I think at? Nebraska. No, Nebraska, and just just talking about that like authoritative type mentality that that these guys have. Just just listen to this. So I don't
0: like that. It's called
2: biblical authority Mm. so they paint the man as a jerk you see how i said that you know there's some of you that's a jerk way of saying it yeah you did not like it did you that's because you don't like authority those that criticize this kind of preaching they don't like authority (laughs) amen that's why they criticize the old-time preachers like dr hiles he, with, he preached with authority, so they attack his. oh he's a topical preacher. You know what? Shut up. Yeah, they don't like authority. They don't like someone like a Bob Gray who get up and just the old Bob Gray Ooh. when he pastored hog killing revival. Y'all ever heard that? No. Nope. That sermon. I cut my teeth on that. Good night. We can tell. Grew big buck teeth because you know. But I'm telling you, I loved it. I don't like what? man, that clip really took me back. Why did he have to scream? Why did he have to shout the word authority? In that moment, that is lording over God's heritage. He's he's in the position of power. He's behind the pulpit. He's emboldened. That is classic, independent, fundamental Baptist, authoritarian attitude, action. And preaching.
1: And he did it on purpose because he looked directly at the camera when he said that.
0: Hey, you talk about the things that you're passionate about. And it's amazing on. how authority and power comes up over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's true.
2: But the weird thing is, then they get angry with IFB preacher clips, which is not me. <laughs> but they get angry with IFB preacher clips for posting their own words. Don't preach that crap if you're not willing for it to be heard come on and and if it is heard then be man enough to stand behind it i I mean i want to say this personally to bill reeves who i'm sure listens to the (laughs) recovery fundamentalist podcast we'll send you a t-shirt buddy if you are going to have the guts to stand up in front of your audience and subject them to that then when your words are played be man enough to stand behind it and say heck yeah i said that i believe it i stand with it don't be a coward and flip flop
1: and copyright laws and block them on twitter Mm.
0: and one thing we can say about nathan rager is he's not shy and he's not ashamed he may call people what was that funny word what didn't he call them (laughs) (laughs) what was that word it was uh gutter snipish <laughs> oh gutter snipish yes <laughs> yeah, in his so, boyfriend's basement <laughs> yeah so he's had a few things to say but hey he's not ashamed of of sharing and standing behind his words so let's get to the content that Nathan Rager shared Brian won't you, why don't you lead us into this
2: yeah you know one thing I just want to get you guys feedback on just right from the beginning Nathan mentioned that he liked wrestling so he was drawn to wrestling when we were playing that clip As J.C. mentioned earlier, he was mocking those wrestling moves. Some guys want a cause. Hmm. They want something to fight for. And Nathan seemed to desire a cause. You know, Even with the SBC dispute that he brought up, he was proud of that. Did you guys kind of feel that, that he's looking for a cause?
0: And I can relate to that. I, I want to be connected to a cause that's bigger than me. It's just a shame that he got drawn into one that's leading him down I believe the wrong path.
1: I think it's a classic example of what we have talked about on this episode multiple times is that he is living for acceptance rather than from it. I mean, that's a classic example there of, you know, I mean, he preaches the way he does. And he said this over and over again, I preach the way I do and I am the way I am because of these men like Jack Hiles and, you know, other guys that are in the circle that he's running in seeking
2: their approval. Yeah. That's one of the things I was actually going to mention. He mentioned being moved by Tony Hudson Bill Kidd, Jack Hiles, those men are masters of emotion. Yes,
0: they are.
2: And what I'm wondering is this young guy, Nathan Rager, who loves wrestling, who's fed up with the SBC, who tried to stand for a cause there. It didn't work out. And then he encounters these men who manipulate people who are masters at stirring up a cause. And a fight. I mean, they're they're just masters at that. You you have an opinion on that?
0: Yeah, and many people's lives are defined by knee-jerk reactions. Yeah. You know, for example, when I left independent fundamentalism, I kind of swung over to the other side of the pendulum, the other extreme, to where, you know, it was all grace, all love, and I didn't want to, you know, focus on the truth of God's word. So I see him coming up in a watered down. Uh, form of religion. And man, he's hearing something that's bold and brash and not ashamed. And so he's drawn into that, but it has, it's a ditch on the other side of the road.
1: Yeah. And I think what he said over and over again, that you have to realize is he said, he kept talking about when I first started, when I first Mm -hmm. started, you know, they're pulling my clips when I first started. And I said, well, how long ago was that? That was last year. He has only been the pastor at Tampa Independent Baptist Church for a year. And so, you know, I remember when I first started, I was listening to a lot of preachers. I wanted to hone my craft, if you will, and so I'm listening and trying to preach a style like that. And He he talked about this a lot where he tried to get his style like other people that he was listening to. I I think he used the word timbre or, or whatever. I can't remember the word that he used there, but he talked about, you know, I wanted to be like these. But it's like he's latched on to what makes him feel good because a lot of what he said was this makes me feel good.
0: Yeah. And one of the craziest things that I think he said in the interview, which is a it's <laughs> there's a long list, but one of the craziest things that stood out to me was how he interpreted certain scriptures. Yeah, One of them was the qualifications of a pastor, how he was talking about you have to have kids. Before you can be a pastor, what was that?
1: I don't know, but I'm an Uber pastor over both of you because <laughs> yes, I have six kids. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> but it was funny because he—it was almost like he said it, looking for us to like agree with him or give him like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Like, and I that's was like, crazy. my hands were just like, what are you talking about, man?
2: <laughs> well, he actually said, you know, it's pretty interesting that he and his wife had the child and then God right opened up the pastoral opportunity. He was referring to First Timothy chapter three. You know, the Bible says in verse four. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. And so it was as if he thought having children was a part of an evidence for his calling. I want to tell you guys about a unique message that I received after that. I have a friend who's a dear friend that I have a ton of respect for. Mm. And unfortunately, as a young man, he has this disease that took away his ability to walk and as a result of the disease, he doesn't have children. He sent me a message, and he said, I don't guess I can be a pastor now. Mm. Mm. You know, it's as if Nathan didn't realize there are some people who yeah. battle for a number of reasons, infertility. And then Paul, you know, said, hey, remain single.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I was really as confused Paul by that. Paul was single. <laughs> was he not qualified to be an elder? How many not kids according did, to
2: Raging Rager. How many
0: kids did Paul have? <laughs>
2: He had a son in the faith. His name was Timothy.
0: (laughs) Maybe that's what qualified him. I don't know.
1: We'll go with that. I think the thing that really got my blood boiling during this whole interview was his unwillingness to share the gospel with those in same-sex relationships. Brian, you asked him the question that I did not want to. It was on the tip of my tongue, but I was like, I don't want to hear this answer. And you said, if a homosexual walked into your church, would you allow him or would you kick him out or ask him to leave? And he said, I would ask him to leave. And at that moment, it was almost as if I was like, I had to mute my mic and just walk off camera for a second because it was like, that, that's what we're called to do. I mean, you heard our last our RFP extra with Josh Cardwell from Crossville. I mean, it's a total opposite thing. You know, we want to be a church where prostitutes, where drug dealers, where, where homosexuals, where people that are sinners that we're called to reach as mm-hmm. pastors. That's who we're called to reach to reach those folks with the gospel but his interpretation of church was this is for the saints to be you know taught and to have hard preaching at not the sinner to hear the gospel yeah it should be both it should
0: well you know that
2: really contradicts the first gospel message preached in the book of acts when 3000 people responded were saved and baptized i think over and over again in the scripture Uh, This is some of our common language at Hope Church. I'm not going to push this on everyone, but there's in the church and among the church. There's a complete difference in being in the church and being among the church. This is what we know. Sinners aren't in the church, but they can be among the church. Yeah. And when they are, they should encounter the gospel. The other thing I would say is, what does it say about God sending the witnesses to Sodom? Hmm. I mean, wow. think about that. God knew what the outcome was gonna be. Yeah. But yet he specifically sent a witness to them to seek for those who were potentially righteous. And, genuinely
0: and, offering salvation. Genuinely offering a way out. A way out of God's wrath. Yeah. They weren't yeah, just a- they weren't just playing games. God didn't send the angels just to, you know, look like he was a gracious God. He really is a gracious God that Ezekiel says. He does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. Hmm. Even his enemies, when they are punished, God doesn't enjoy that. He is a God of mercy and love and grace.
1: And how can you hear the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, yeah. baptizing him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Every creature, not just those that look like you or that agree with your style or your uh, rules or regulations. You know That's why we say at Rockbridge that we're here to glorify God by connecting people from all walks of life to life in Christ. That's why we as pastors are doing. That's what you just talked about, Brian. As pastors, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, it doesn't matter what your background is. God knows you and loves you, and you're he sent his son to die on a cross for you.
0: And I think it's in Interesting that Paul planted a church in Rome, Hmm. which we all know what the Roman Empire looked like. It looked a lot like America today, where alternative lifestyles were celebrated and became the norm. And yet, Paul is planting a church and reaching out to people who used to be in all of these categories, and yet God has saved them from all of their sin. I think it comes down to this, guys, where sin abounds. Grace abounds all the more. Yeah. Yes. And we can go old King James grace does much more abound. God's grace is greater than our sin.
2: You would believe his interpretation of that text or those passages. You would hold that view if you believed that Jack Kiles was a great biblical (laughs) expositor.
0: (laughs) My brain on that one.
2: Yeah, that's a quote. Jack Kiles was a great biblical expositor. Expositors. I
0: loved it. The first time he said, Now I'm not going to call them expositors. (laughs) And then he came back later and (laughs) did call call them expositors.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, Jack Hiles worked an audience into a frenzy. Yeah. You know, I don't want anyone to hear the message who slew these, but that's probably the greatest offense to the scripture I've ever heard personally in my life. And, And then the claim that Jack Hiles believed in soul winning. I had a friend of mine who left Howells Anderson college because they were actually having a soul winning competition in the college. They bought a bunch of like those icy pops. Yeah. They put them in a cooler. They went to the poorest neighborhoods in all of Chicago. They had a, a I think it was a, a swimming pool, like a little kid swimming pool. And they, it was on a hot summer day and they pulled up and they just started yelling from the back of this truck. Everybody who wants a free popsicle, you know, come outside. And so kids started gathering and then it was, you know, if you want a popsicle, then, then let us put you in the water and you'll get a free popsicle, by the way, say this prayer. And when my friend witnessed that, he actually left Howells Anderson college because Mm. he felt so convicted. Is that what we're going to call believing in soul winning?
1: Yeah. I, I think soul winning, like you just illustrated right there, in certain ways is seeker friendly. What they preach against, they're trying to be seeker friendly because they're wanting to get folks in and get numbers to go up, and so they'll do gimmicks. You know, they'll have ice cream Sunday. How many times have you heard of bus routes doing the mile long banana split, and they put it in a gutter, and kids are coming from all over because they're going to have a mile long banana split out of a gutter? Have y'all ever eaten out of a gutter?
0: I uh, know I have not. Have you no, never done that? Man, y'all I've heard about it? It's
1: a jewel in my crown, eh, amen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And one of the things I wanted to mention but just didn't have time because, you know, he kept going on and on. His conversion story was basically he didn't want to go to hell, so he prayed the prayer
1: from a Chick-Track.
0: Yeah, and he did say that later on, you know, he came back to understanding what salvation really was. But how does that that just defines the IFB soul winning? From what I experienced, I saw a guy one time with this Avenger that that went out, and he was an evangelist that does this evangel cube, and I don't think anything's wrong with Evangelic. cube. It tells the gospel story, but I saw him do it one time. He went through it so quickly, and then looked at the guy that he was showing it to, and he said, "Do you want to go to heaven when you die?" And he said, "Yes, I do." He said, "Well, then take my hand." He grabbed his hand, and he said, "Pray with me, dear Lord Jesus. I want you to come into my heart right now." And the guy literally jerked his hand away and opened his eyes back up, and he goes, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! I'm not ready." And he goes. Oh man, you don't want to go to heaven? All you got to do is pray this with me. Yeah. And I was like, wow. are you kidding me? And the guy goes, "Well, I'm Catholic, and I don't even know if I believe what you were saying." Yet he was going to, you know, get another convert. And he stood up in the church yeah. that week and told how 12 people got saved on the way from him traveling from his home state a couple states away to preach at the church in Georgia. Yeah. And I see why he's having, you know, 20, 30 people Every day rem- getting saved.
1: I can remember, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a little convicted as you're saying this, because, you know, I mean, there's times when I look back at when I first started preaching, growing up a certain way, that I would do that that invitation, that altar call, if you will, and be like, if you don't want to go to hell, I want you to raise your hand or repeat this prayer after me. And, you know, almost guilting them in certain ways, because we know how to work the room and work the crowd. And it got to a place where, you know, when I was hearing, you know, him, him share that, I was like, man, I'm, you know, that, that that guilt that we have rising up in us at times because we are all recovering fundamentalists. And I'm like, I wish I could go back with what I know now and do it again, go back, you know, 20 years ago when I first started and, and preach those sermons again and be like, it's a grace, you know, and and let the Holy spirit do the wooing. Not my story of a kid that left a youth rally and got hit by a dump truck and he's Mm. burning in hell forever. And I'm like, man, you know, and so as you're saying that I'm like, that's why it's things like hearing him talk the other day that really reminded me it's, you know, how to deliver yeah. the salvation message.
2: Well, how did you guys feel about the fact that he defended Hiles to the point that he referred to those who have told stories of abuse as it being imaginary? That was his word, that the abuse was imaginary. Did, did either one of you guys feel in your gut what I felt in that moment? Yeah.
0: Absolutely, and, and I, I think we did a good job of pointing out that the overwhelming case, and that's one of the areas where he started kind of backing up because there's so much overwhelming evidence that defines his ministry.
1: I think that's a classic example of turning a blind eye making something truth that you know is not truth, but in your brain you've told yourself over and over again that that's imaginary, that's not real. And he took it to a level where that's a man of God, and he took it to how dare you talk about a man of God like that.
0: And it's important for us as pastors to stand up for accountability and transparency and vulnerability because when a pastor is putting himself above the law, when a pastor is putting himself as the authority, I mean, that just doesn't come off as as authentic. It sounds like we've got something to hide.
2: Hmm. He referenced Hiles multiple times, and then the clip that we just listened to, this guy screaming at his congregation, he just referenced Jack Kyle's. Hmm. That's the kind he produced. Hmm. And let's just be honest, you produce what you are. Yeah. How many clips do you hear of guys like
1: Tony Hudson, like John Hamblin, that will stand up and say, I'm preaching the way I am today because there's a man that preached like this named Jack Hiles. They always point back to him. I heard three clips this week, Tony Hudson, John Hamblin, going and saying, I'm preaching the way I am tonight, and if you don't like it, it's because there's a man named Jack Hiles that preached this way years ago, and that's why I'm doing the way I'm doing right now.
0: What about him justifying harlot and whore being biblical words and justifying calling women that from the pulpit i you know I've, I've read the bible multiple times all the way through studied through books of the bible preached through books of the bible i i can't remember jesus paul peter being defined by standing up and calling sinners crude names and that leading to their salvation
1: i think the two that he could call one of those names. He gave her salvation that day, yeah. called out all of her sin, but never called her the name. He asked the other one, where are your accusers? Has nobody accused yeah. you? Go and sin no more. Neither he do gave I. grace. Neither Continue. do I.
2: Well, I think one thing, you know, we have to understand is his position is, you know, and even his hat is plastered on his hat, that the King James version of the Bible is the never changing word of God. So his stance is if it's in the King James, it is biblical. Hmm. So, you know, Revelation chapter 17, verse 1, in the King James Version, refers to the great whore. Well, that that word now is an offensive word because language changes. Language is ever-changing. And so now, if you look in a different translation, it refers to the prostitute. You know, there was a time when that Bible was written language where it was at that day at that time it was acceptable to call a woman of the night a whore that was acceptable i even feel now a little dirty even using that word hmm. uh, as a matter of fact even repeating his his word as a quote i don't feel comfortable with it
0: and i think it's interesting that in revelation it's talking about a system and referring to that right. as the great whore not about an individual
2: Right, you know, J.C. mentioned it a moment ago. The woman caught in adultery. Jesus could have said anything to her. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, Jesus had to ask her to look up. Her face was already in the dirt. What does it say when people are beaten down by sin, mm. and we beat them down further? Yeah. Um, you know, I just think it's a, it's a total lack of love, and and yet his position was if it's in the King James it's acceptable. For example, when the King James Bible was translated, you referred to an illegitimate child as a bastard. We all know now that's viewed as a curse word. Hmm. Now we use the word illegitimate. Language changes. And, you know, for example, you know, in in the Old Testament, it says that you're not to covet your neighbor's ass. Speaking of a donkey. Well, (laughs) in that day, In that day when you used the word ass, everyone immediately knew you were talking about a donkey. If you showed young adults on the street (laughs) that verse today, I promise you they would not be thinking about a donkey. Language changes. It does.
0: And he did say that he doesn't use certain words in his pulpit, but then he turns around in the next breath or in the same breath and says, but I will defend someone else who does that. So what what does that say?
2: Well, it's a really loose way of interpreting. You know, he referred to Jude 7, and he said a synonym for the word strange is, and then he used a couple of words. <laughs> Since when did we go by synonyms and, and, and using, you know, the analogy of a bundle of wood yeah. being a reason that you can use offensive language to people, again, that desperately need to be saved? I love the fact that he said he was a master of paraphrase. And then later he defended, standing only for the King James. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> that was great. I did catch that. That
2: was pretty awesome. Well, you know, Jesus' most harsh language was reserved for the religious Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Nathan, I think it would be good if we maybe read Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, or Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. I think it would be good for people to hear those.
0: Colossians 3, 8. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth.
2: That says it pretty boldly. It's pretty
0: clear.
1: Here's Ephesians 4, 29. And never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them.
0: Unless thou standeth in the pulpit.
2: <laughs> Amen. Yeah. That sounds, that's the IFB translation of exactly. that. Exactly. Because. I mean, how is, that, how is that speaking words of grace, words of the unmerited favor of God? Man, it, it broke my heart, guys. JC, can you speak to that? Because I know Rockbridge reaches people from every walk of life. And, and it were, was your heart breaking? The thought that
1: he would ask somebody to leave because they did not agree with his stance. And their lifestyle is different. I mean, the the judgmental tone that was coming out of him yeah. based on how somebody appears, even if he doesn't know if that person is, is what he thinks they are, if they appear
0: that way, they would ask them to leave. When Brian referenced Romans chapter 2 yeah. in response to what he said about Romans chapter 1, he just completely avoided that. Because if Mm -hmm. you read through Romans chapter 1 into Romans chapter 2, which, by the way, Brian brought up a great point that there were no chapter divisions when these letters were written. Paul goes straight from talking about this list of horrible sinners and then goes straight into, and you, you Jew who is trying to keep God's law, you think you're okay? You think you're better than them? No, you're in the same spot. And
2: yeah, especially when you judge,
0: you're gonna run out of people to preach to. Yeah, if if you uh, go by Romans chapter one and verse two, and it leads up to the point, obviously, to the glorious gospel. We've 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 all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The ways of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Romans 8, wow, the glories of that. There's yeah. there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's the gospel. But the message he's preaching is an outward adherence mm. to a man-made set of laws, which takes us back to the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. And, dude, I don't want to go back there. Yeah, I couldn't keep that. No one ever kept that. Jesus is the only one that ever kept that. He's our Lord. He's our Savior, and he can save any sinner i'm okay with calling out sin as long as i'm willing to call out my own but i'm okay with calling out sin but i'm not okay with bullying sinners because that's not how jesus or any of the other apostles yeah. held their ministries
2: man that's a great word good. what about ignoring gluttony you know the bible says philippians 3:19. their end is destruction their god is their belly how about this one proverbs 23 verse 2 Put a knife to your throat if you are given to appetite. I mean, there's just verse Mm. after verse after He was a little
0: defensive on that, but a little bit. Hey, I should be a little defensive on that too.
1: Okay. Why are you looking at me? (laughs) Uh, Yes, I'm defensive on that one. Hold me accountable,
0: guys. Hold me accountable.
2: Yeah. Well, then what about women wearing pants? Can we dive into Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5?
0: Yes, let's do that.
2: I think you have to consider the Hebrew word. Uh, by the way, southern people should never pronounce Greek or Hebrew words.
0: <laughs> Amen. We,
2: we butcher every foreign language. You know, kumastai, stay, more be and gracious. You know, we... <laughs>
1: Kuna know Did you yeah. just speak in tongues? Uh, Shana tataba, tirada, but
2: I may have gotten really close, but the Hebrew word is spelled G-E-B-E-R. It means a valiant man or a warrior. And their dress, Nathan, you pointed out that men wore robes. And then he tried to say falsely, no, they they wore robes with britches. And then he referenced the priest. Because the priest wore that, that that had everything to do with sweat.
0: I believe that was talking about an undergarment, basically underwear.
2: Yes, but sweat was a type of sin. And so they wore the, those linen breeches was how that was pronounced and to say that every single man was wearing that under his robe that's just not true
0: i'm not even sure about the breeches and the translation and all that that was that was a little a little muddy i I, could do our greek studies this week on that i zoned out when he was talking about that there was a comment from one of our listeners that said yeah i saw that so way off base yeah
2: well you know men would wear certain things that depicted them as men and then here's here's what I I realized once I really dove into that passage that what was actually happening is pagan cultures around them they were men were basically dressing as women so they could carry out specific sexual acts or certain pagan rituals women were doing the same so you know behind this there was more than just hey don't wear pants yeah. women wear dresses men wear pants there was a lot more to this and jc you pointed out there's a lot of other scripture in deuteronomy chapter 22 and we never hear that preached
0: and i got really confused when he started defining nakedness or just say, nakedness naked as showing the thigh Naked. and then he said that if you have form-fitting jeans on That's the same as showing the thigh. So women who wear skinny jeans or jeans that are form-fitted, they're showing their thigh because it shows the form, so they're naked. So what about men that wear pants? Like, you know, these aren't skinny jeans, and these are blue jeans, but you can see the shape of my thigh, so I'm naked? So anyone who wears breeches, does that mean that we need to now start preaching on how baggy your breeches can be? (laughs) I mean, that's getting into some way crazy territory when you start trying to translate the Hebrew culture, especially when Paul is very clear on how many of these Hebrew guidelines are we going to pass on to the Gentile Christians. We didn't even get to talk about us being Gentiles.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think the thing we actually need to preach is that there should be a law that limits where skinny jeans stop at a certain size. (laughs) Like You should not be able to buy skinny jeans in my size, <laughs> at my age, that would be a great message. Yeah, I
1: agree that they should stop at a at a certain size. I I think you know we should go back to what we were wearing in the nineties, those jeggings. You remember jeggings? Those parachute pants. Parachute pants. Mm. Maybe we should oh, bring those yeah. back.
2: Yeah, you would swish everywhere you went. That would be good. <laughs> pants and a warning that you're coming. <laughs> well, then I think the most important thing, you know, for me. Are these last two points? Because we can't rebut everything in this raging rager rebuttal. But Psalm chapter 12, verses five through seven, that is actually the text that every King James only pastor runs to, every King James onlyist runs to, and it's terribly misused. JC, why don't you read that out of the King James version? Psalm chapter 12, verses 5 through 7, so we can actually show the text that they run to and then show how they improperly use that passage. Yeah,
1: it says, For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now I will arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted.
2: So what they say in that text is God is promising to preserve His Word. Then they make the jump to say, by the way, He preserved that in this English-speaking translation called the King James. So there's two issues. First of all, when you study that passage, God is not promising to preserve His Word. He's promising to preserve the poor. And he's saying, I will keep my word. It's completely different. You can trust my word. And I challenge anyone to study that in the Hebrew. The verb tense makes this completely indisputable. God wasn't promising to preserve his word. He was promising to preserve the poor. Nathan, I'm sure you've studied that at times. Um, I mean, what Did you hear him trying to use that text even after I said, don't run to Psalms? And that's where he had to run to.
0: Yeah, it absolutely blew his mind that you were saying that that meant something else. Because when something's been quoted so many times and preached on so many times, I believe the Bible teaches Mm. that God will preserve his word. Obviously, God's words are forever. There are verses they could go to. But the one they go to is the one that's taken out of context. And it's important to know what a passage means before you try to stand up in front of people and preach it. I can't tell you how many times early in my ministry where I wanted to preach on something, I was like, oh, I know where that's at. So I would search it out, find the verse, and as I'm studying through it, I realize that's not what this is saying at all. And I would have to right. step back and start looking somewhere else.
1: Like where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be there too. That's yeah, classic. if you example. got a small crowd. No, that's talking about church discipline. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Or the ever-beautiful Philippians 4.13. By the way, I saw a cool shirt recently. It said, I can do all things through a great verse taken out of context. I love it.
1: I love that.
2: And and Nathan, while I agree with you that we can trust that God's Word will be preserved, it's not that it would ever be preserved in a specific English-speaking translation. That's
0: a big leap. Hmm.
2: Yeah, and it's a fake one. It doesn't exist. And and then to ask him about the preface of the King James Bible, that he felt stronger about it than the translators, because the translators said that they should be, they believed that, you know, translations should be always available in the vulgar tongue; that there should be translations constantly. Yeah, the,
0: the thing that blows my mind is they're so against going back to the Greek. He kind of mentioned that. I don't like to go back to the Greek, but I will here. Well, how do you think the King James translators translated it? Right. They were going to the Greek and the Hebrew, and I, I just don't understand this. If God can preserve the King James, can he not preserve the Greek and the Hebrew text as well? I mean, I, I don't understand where they go with that. It makes no sense. And I studied this out extensively for years because it troubled me. I was taught that this was a sin. This was a first level doctrine. And I was worried for my soul Yeah, <laughs> and becoming a preacher. Like I was really worried. What about my family? Do I let them use other translations? And me and my wife differed on this. And when I was a young man, when we first got married and started having kids. And so I studied this for years and years. And the more I dug into the arguments the more i realize they are so dependent on conspiracy theory Hmm. they're so dependent on horrible leaps of logic and taking verses out of context that i my conscience was eased and i realized the truth through teachings of great men of god who are still very conservative still bible believing but they don't teach man-made doctrines
2: yeah that's really important nathan can you read first timothy chapter 3 Verses 14 and 15, because that's the last place I think all of us really took issue.
0: Yeah. It says, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things so that you know that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God and pillar and buttress of the truth.
2: Right. He tried to say house of God in that passage meant a building because you know we were going back and forth over the fact that you can't refer to the church as a building because the new testament makes that clear
0: and in the king and james it says house of god
2: right but here's the thing the word is the original language is oiko it means family hmm. it wasn't referring to a building it was never referring to a building and so you know that really that really bothers me because Christ died on the cross to make us a spiritual temple. We're a congregation of believers. JC, I think it's cool. And I think you ought to share it again, how you've been gathering with people in your backyard.
1: Yeah. And that and was you- something I was going to say, Brian, on, on that episode that I just never got around to, to speaking in that moment because I couldn't get a word in. But <laughs> along those lines of, <laughs> of saying, you know, Jesus didn't come and die for a building. He died for right. the church. And, you know, I, I found I found it interesting, and I was going to call it out, but I didn't, is that he said we have not stopped going to church during the coronavirus, where majority of churches across the country have gone to online church. Mm-hmm. They've gone to, you know, doing other things. And there's still that gathering that has to be there because the church, and, and how many times have we preached or we've heard it preached, if you are not in the auditorium, you're not at church. You know, it's good to be in the house of God today. And We are the house. We are the temple. We are the body of Christ. And, you know, we've seen that there are ways that the body of Christ can still come together and worship. We've been having church in my backyard for the last five, six weeks. We've been gathering in the backyard with folks bringing lawn chairs and sitting and watching the service and listening to the service. And that's church. I've had church standing in my driveway talking with another brother in Christ. That is church. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost, two
0: or three are gathered. Oh (laughs) boy,
2: (laughs) I can't believe you did
0: that. He just went there.
1: No, the whole reason that we wanted to bring him on was to a, give a little background to the dude that we just see on Twitter in some clips and kind of, you know, we wanted to treat him with dignity with respect while also calling out the dangerous rhetoric that he uses and I think we push back with love and respect, but what, this tweet right here, there's been a lot of guys that have been kind of tweeting, and and this episode has blown up as we've talked about. But this tweet alone really helps give some some foundation to, to the whole thing. It's from a guy named Andrew, not a pulpit CEO novel um, on here. And he says, y'all know I dog on Ranger a lot, but my tr- my heart truly breaks for him. For some reason, I believe God has been softening my heart towards this guy seeing him as a created image bearer of God and not for his teaching. I'm starting to see him as a person held captive by the lies and mm-hmm. the hatred. Wow. You know, and that's that's the whole reason that we do this podcast, is we want to help, we want to encourage, and we want to challenge. And, you know, bringing guys on like Nathan, I'm glad he came. You know, even though we don't agree, I'm glad he came on. And I really do believe that, that you know, God is going to use this episode, use the the people that are seeing you know that that he is a man that's created in the image yeah. of God and that I do believe there's hope. I don't believe there's anybody too far gone. No, Look at I us three. Either. I mean, if you would have told us 25 years ago that we'd be sitting here talking about being a recovering fundamentalist, I think there would be some folks that would
2: laugh at you. Yeah. And you know the last thing I want I want to say for me personally and I think it'll be for each of you as well, we are not against Nathan Rager. No. Last night I spent about 45 minutes on the phone with Nathan. We laughed, we cut up we had serious conversation. We asked one another questions, and it was actually a great conversation. You know, I was able to hear his wife talking in the background and his child playing, and I, I thanked his wife for being gracious and, and allowing us to have him, you know, so late at night and, and her being willing, and we joked about the fact that she was more than glad to do that. Uh, you <laughs> know, all of us are married. We can speak for that. But, oh, yeah. uh, you know, here's the thing. And, and if Nathan listens to this episode, I just want to say this, Nathan, I can speak for the three of us. I think we deeply care about you. And so when you hear this, please don't hear that we're against you. For me, this is a theological issue. Yeah, I can see Nathan, Nathan and I sitting down, having a cheeseburger and um, talking and having a great conversation. The issue is with the theology.
0: Yeah. And, and- one of the things that struck me about Nathan is I believe he is a guy that is longing for community. Yeah. He doesn't have community in the movement he's in. He said multiple times he's an island. He, he Down here by like myself. He like he was thrown out there too soon. And my heart goes out to the guy because I've been the guy without community. And for yes. years, me and my wife began—I opened up to my wife one day, and I said, Look, I've learned something about myself. I'm friends with everybody, but I don't have any deep friendships. This yeah. was years ago. And— she said it's funny that you should say that because i've always known that about you and i told her i said you only have five or six true friends i said but your friendships are deep like like true deep friendships i said i don't have friendships like that and she said well we need to pray for that she said and you need to begin you know being willing to put yourself out there and invest in those uh friendships and you two guys are two of the answers to the prayer in my life and i can look at my life now I couldn't count my friends. i yeah. good friends that God has put in my life, brothers that I'm doing life with, and I know that Nathan is longing for that.
1: And, you know, that's crazy you said that because me and my wife about two years ago had that exact same conversation, and just like three nights ago, I said, you know, Brian and Nathan, it's really incredible how I – she said, you really have some good friends mm-hmm. in those two, don't you? Because, I mean, let's be honest, folks. You can't see our group chat, but we're ch- we're texting each other at 2 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we, we don't sleep, and we are up te- – I know that at 2 a.m. I can text Nathan and Brian and I'm going to get a meme text back or something because life is not meant to be lived alone. It is best when in the context of community.
0: And that's because we're made in the image of God. God himself is a community. He's existed through eternity as a community. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were made in his image. We were made for each other, not to do it alone.
1: And my prayer for Nathan is that he would find that community, some of that around him and not just continue to be out on an island and continue to put out crazy things that's pushing people away.
0: And I think that brings up a really good point for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. We're not going to defeat the wrong kind of fundamentalism by yelling and screaming and calling names. We're going to change it by reaching out to these guys in love, like I believe we did to Nathan. Yeah,
1: and, you know, we've yeah. been putting it out on Twitter. If, you know, we've reached out to a lot of folks in the IFB to come on, to have a conversation with us, and Nathan's the only one that has said yes and come on. And so just in the last couple of days, we've reached out to guys like Andrew Sluter and others, and there's going to be more. And that's our whole goal here is to not just talk about the bad stuff, but to challenge those guys, ask them why that is their stance. And, you know, that's that's how all three of us eventually left fundamentalism was an idea, Mm -hmm. a a Bible verse, a conversation, a thought. And so, you know, that's why we're here, to help folks become recovering fundamentalists.
0: And we call this episode the Raging Rager Rebuttal. And the thing I love about what we've done for the last hour plus is that we have gone to Scripture. We've gone to the Bible, and every— Thing that we've said back to some of the crazy things he said have come straight from Scripture, rightly divided. Yeah, and I yes. just want to challenge our listeners to do that. That's all we've got. We've got the authority of God's Word to stand on. That's all we need. But we've got to interpret it and divide it rightly. It's
2: good. And if you want to interpret Scripture correctly, don't take homiletics from Tony Hudson. It's just a word <laughs> hey from the wise.
1: Hey man, <laughs> exegesis. Exegitis. <laughs> Exegitis. That sounds like a disease. I don't even believe in vaccinations, vaccinations but, but I, I want to get one
0: after. That was the funniest thing. That's a ever t-shirt seen. right yes. there.
1: I love, it. <laughs> I love it. Hey guys, we thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to go to our sponsor, J Radio. You can find them at jradio.com. They have all kinds of music for you. Jradio.com, a sponsor of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Guys, I love you. Thanks for uh, your hearts. And uh, it's fun doing this podcast with you both. Love you, both. Hey, we'll see you next time on the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. Be sweet.